genre. Welcome back to the Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we crawl our way to the bitter end or the longer end of the world's end, one minute at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. And today we're preparing to annihilate Minute 66, which begins with Peter asking if Mr. Shepard is a robot and ends with Mr. Shepard saying that he's had to get tough with the guys when they were young. And our guest this week is Jay Stringer, author of the upcoming novel, Mara Chase and the Fountain of Youth. Welcome, Jay. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yes, absolutely, of course. Uh, so I, I do. I want to get. Um, I guess there's a lot of stuff to talk about uh, with this one. Yeah. Um, you know, and I want to. <laughs> I want to talk about your sort of uh, your 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 you know your overall opinion of the film and things like that. But we've got a fight sequence later in this week, and so I think <laughs> we're going to have plenty of time to talk about that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. But this this minute in particular is really all about. They're sort of the the blinks, the networks sort of pitch to these guys. Um, and uh, I it's it's interesting. I, I think the choice of using a teacher as their uh, sort of representative in this moment um, is an interesting choice by the network and really does show what the network's opinion of these people are um, as far as uh, their their overall uh, maturity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was a great choice. It really, it does a lot of work for us. Um, you know, it, it's just that exact thing of get. I don't know if patronizing is the right word, but that that the kind of the attitude of the teacher, um, you know, and the humans of the students, and it just without having to say anything, it just gets across. Um, it kind of tells us what to rebel against in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very very well done. It's it's uh, it's sneaky. It's almost like they planned it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh it's it's uh it yeah, it's interesting too because I think you know, we've been talking about what the overall metaphor is here and obviously there's a lot of a lot of allegory and metaphor in this film. There's obviously stuff about alcoholism here, there's there's definitely stuff about nostalgia. Um but I think largely what we've we've come to realize about the network is that the network is sort of this representation of growing up and being more mature and how you sort of join the the workforce and adulthood um and and just learn to work within a system or a network as the case may be and i just think that this is uh really interesting i don't know the way the way that this scene plays out and the way that he's describing what's happening it really does feel like an adult talking to people about how it's time to grow up now <laughs> Yeah, there's yeah. a degree of uh, infantilization that, uh, yeah, to me, it, it, it really sparks a lot of thoughts about, and uh, I, I don't know, we haven't talked about colonialism too much on this show, but just the idea of the network seeing itself as this benevolent, but, well, you know, but we know what's best because we're colonizing you, you know, mm-hmm. and you humans are, are good hearted, but simple and we're going to teach you and make you better. You know, that just, you know, as an American, that definitely has yeah. 
memory, you know, you know, it feels, uh, it, it hits different as the kids say. You know, yeah. I hadn't quite put that the colonialism word. I hadn't quite framed it that way, but that's that. Yeah, that, that's spot on. I mean, I, I was kind of thinking of it more in uh, that that aspect of it more in kind of gentrification. But um, yeah, it, um, just trying to take the corporate aspect of gentrification out, and, and what is that? It's colonialism. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's uh, and we know better. And it, it doesn't matter if you kind of liked what was here before, because now we own it, and we're going to change everything and the names. Uh, um, except we're also, we're going to kind of pretend to be you. We're going to take some of your stuff um, and and we're going to wear some of your stuff. And, you know, it's, yeah, that's actually a really brilliant way of framing it. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, you know, when he's talking about potential, he's talking about, well, I I like some of your stuff and uh, (laughs) I want to have it. Um, And now it's going to be ours instead of yours uh, because we're all one team, right? Um, We are conquering you. And then we are going to all be part of one group. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's crazy that this movie has so many layers. I mean, just layers upon layers upon layers. And I don't know what what this uh, what this group was working out when they uh, when they <laughs> were making this. But it seems like they were working out a lot of stuff. Yeah, you know, because like there's it doesn't because the movies it, it, it's a, it's an Italian sports car. I mean, it's it's uh, it doesn't feel overwrought. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, this YouTuber that uh, that we Scott and I both really enjoyed uh, named Lindsay Ellis coined this phrase. Uh, Oops, all allegory mm-hmm. when when talking about uh, Mother, the Darren Aronofsky movie, which I enjoy, but it, <laughs> it 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 does kind of feel like you know like here here's all this stuff. Think about it. Whereas. The, the you know the the miracle of world then is it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's spinning all these wheels but it's there for you if you do want to we watch it multiple times and you know calls yeah. out of it yeah dig a little deeper yeah sure. it's it invites you um it invites you to feel more than one thing at once mm-hmm. um and you know i think uh and i mean for all you know um Shaun of the dead and uh and, and hot fuzz are both great films in different ways but i think they're also relatively simple emotionally um, mm-hmm. you know, you watch them really only feeling one thing and you come out of it feeling one thing. Whereas I think world's end is, you know, it's a film that it has to be deliberate that they, they, they either because they were working stuff out or they just wanted the challenge, you know, um, mm-hmm. we're going to make you feel more than one emotion about every scene at, at every time. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of why it maybe didn't get the reception that the others two did initially as well, because, you know, you didn't just come out feeling this one pure thing. It, you came out thinking, oh, um, hmm, right, yeah, that, I, guess, right, I guess that's bad, but that's good. But was that happy? Like, what was that? <laughs> right. Um, which, as, you know, it's. I think it's why a film like this ages very well. Um, but, yeah, I think it's also why, I mean, when I first watched it, like, I, I don't think I, enjoyed, I liked it the first time I watched it. Uh, right. And I think it was just that, like, huh, what right. was that? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I I don't think I've ever met anyone who uh liked the movie the first time they saw it. And and that doesn't mean that they disliked it necessarily, but I don't know anyone who watched it the first time and was like, "Well, that's a brilliant movie." Mm-hmm. Um I don't I don't know anyone. And this is this is my favorite movie period. And even I didn't feel that way the first time I saw it. The first time I saw it, I was like, "Really? That was it? That was the that was the third Cornetto movie." Huh? 
Okay. <laughs> um, you know, and then and then I watched it again because I believe in these guys and I believe that there was more to it than I was seeing. And then every time I saw it after that, you know, I just got I sliced back a little bit more of the onion and saw a little bit more of this thing. And it's just man, what a what a it just yeah, just there's so many freaking layers to this thing that it's uh it's it's nuts. It's just it's crazy how well made and and like like nick said it's an italian sports car i mean it's just uh it's crazy uh this movie i don't i don't know it's not even it for all of the things that it has it's not even particularly long you know it's it's Mm. shorter than hot fuzz i think um so it's just it's crazy it's it's a it's a crazy movie that exists um and i'm very glad that it does i'm a really big fan of uh of pierce brosnan's no peter of course i'm not a robot just like, <laughs> yeah, I just love Honestly, the way they, that they all instantly just fall in. Like you can see them; they're not quite putting their hands up to speak, but they, you know, they might as well be. Um, yeah. you know, and they're just falling right back into that. Old, oh, that's sir, sir, me, me, me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> more like more though, wanting to say something intelligent or wanting to impress him subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just I, want to please him. Yeah, I love Peter falling asleep. Um, like he's, he's finally relaxed enough and, you know, it's also, it's sort of reminiscent of, you know, everyone had that teacher with that voice that just, no matter what you tried to do, they just put you to sleep. You can't like, it's not even that they're uninteresting. It's that their voice is so soothing that you just instantly drift to sleep and then you get in trouble for sleeping in class mm-hmm. um and and i feel like that's what's happening to peter here uh which i think is really funny and it's it's um, one of my favorite moments of acting in the whole film because you know i mean um you know i know you've talked about like the the rehearsals before about they had to have like 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 which drunk level are they at for each scene mm-hmm. um you know and and just the fact that the, the eddie marzen is that's complete acting and yet you know you look at that and you're like no that guy's had eight pints and <laughs> he just yes. can't keep awake and he's just managed to switch that on. It's it's like a small moment that really w- wouldn't like he's not going to win an Oscar for that. But I kind of think he should. Mm-hmm. Just for that ten seconds. Yeah. There, there's a there's a lot of award worthy performances in this movie that do not get the credit that that they're due uh, at all. Um, I mean, I I legitimately think Simon Pegg as Gary King is one of the greatest performances I've ever seen, and he'll never ever get any credit for this. Um, and it's it's crazy to me because. The levels at which the idea of being both the protagonist and antagonist simultaneously is just the craziest thing uh, I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> yeah, and that and that play, plays into the thing about you know feeling more than one thing at once because I mean you guys will talk about this much much later in the film, but it's like there's moments you know when kind of when you're you're rooting for him to complete the thing while mm-hmm. he's being chased, but you're also like no, this is horrible. He shouldn't be doing this, and and you're feeling <laughs> both at the same time. Yeah, and then you're feeling guilty for feeling both because you should, you know, you should really only be feeling the one thing. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, yeah. the only other thing I wanted to say about Pierce Brosnan here, um, specifically this minute, I don't know whether this, I don't know whether this was deliberate. I don't know whether they talked about this. Um, I mean, I guess you just have to, it has to be deliberate because they're all professionals. But in his, in his pitch, in his, you know, colonialism, gentrification, whatever pitch, it's also. I think that scene in a lot of films or a lot of other kind of books or whatever would almost be overdone. It would almost be done to the point when it is tempting us and playing with us. Whereas I, I've, I've never watched this scene and actually felt tempted by his pitch. It always feels a little too kind of corporate and hollow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, they must have, I mean, I guess they must have calibrated that, you know, that's gotta be something when they've gone, can, can you give me a performance when it sounds 
almost likable, but not quite. You know, mm-hmm. right, right. Like, uh, like what, like sort of, sort of controlling what, manipulating what we want the audience to be thinking about right now. Do we want them to be like, oh, that actually sounds pretty good, or do we want them to be like, this guy, something bad's about to happen? Like he's yeah. Yeah. he's making the sales pitch. Yeah, we yeah. all have the sales pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of uh, when you when you get a job in in some sort of. Um, you know, uh, uh, small scale corporate position, like, you know, like whether you get a job at like a Starbucks or, uh, you know, any kind of like retail or whatever, and you get your first day and you have the, the training video that you watch that like gives the history of the store that you're about to work at. And, and is like, yeah. And like, welcome to the team. You're part of the team now. And you're, and there's always a part of you that's just sort of like, I am part of the team now, (laughs) Uh, you know, like you kind of can't help it, but, but there's also that other part of you that are like, well, this is all bullshit. Um, Like (laughs) this is all designed to make me feel excited to work here. And I shouldn't be excited because, you know, ultimately I'm working at a Starbucks. Yeah. I worked for Borders when I was younger. Um, Mm -hmm. I can badmouth them now because they don't exist. Uh, And and there's a lot of, there was a lot that was good about Borders, but that like they specifically did that when you started, there was, I mean, there's all the bright colors and the big smiles, you know, and it's very much kind of getting you on board with about being a member of the team and a member of the family. And we're all in this together. And, and there is always, there is that bit of you that's, well, I guess you can look like, look around the room as people are receiving the spiel and you've got kind of the older heads who've been, who've maybe worked for more than one company and you can see who are just not buying it. Um, but you've got the younger people, maybe this is their first job for a big organization and you can see they're all like, oh, I, I am. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Family. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you get to you actually get a little bit of that with uh with Oliver cuz Oliver is like sort of pretending to to consider what he's saying and like, "Oh, that's a really good point." And it just <laughs> it's it's a really like it you only get a couple of shots of Martin Freeman in this minute, but every time you do, it's really funny. This is another bit where they've and they I think they did this really well and cuz this is this is the end of it really with this minute well or the min- the next minute you know we're about to end it of uh, this whole thing that's it's been a tease that hasn't really been a tease like we've known the whole time since he came out of the toilet that he's one of them yeah like, we know how movies work and we've all known it and the movie makers know that we know it you know and they've just they've they've managed to tread that line between going yeah we know you know we're not going to treat you like an idiot, but we've got to pretend that the characters in the film don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, because they're they're too drunk to notice. You yeah. know, that's the and they, they I think they have like noticed little things about what he's doing and saying, uh, but it's they're they're too drunk to to really like comprehend what they're noticing. You know. Yeah, it kind of takes you way 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 back to Shaun of the Dead, and you know. The idea, I don't really think they, this got across in the film, but I know it was one of the things they wanted was, you know, the idea that if if the world, if this happened, if the world started to end in a zombie apocalypse, we might not notice straight away, you know? And I think that um, in this, it's like, yeah, when you're on that pub crawl, I mean, aliens can have taken over, but you're going to find reasons to keep drinking and not notice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... There's a there's a pandemic happening right now, and there's people <laughs> who are pretending that it's not happening and still uh, making their way to their local bar or pub and getting a drink and uh, just just acting like none of this is happening. It's uh, uh, yeah. it's like it's like when you hear when you hear about like your like a guy in his fifties going to the doctor after for the first time in twenty years, and it's like you have a shard of metal in your leg. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been living with it; it'll fall out on its own. <laughs> 
I mean, no, it's I part of you now. <laughs> um, I wear glasses now, and I didn't start wearing glasses until I was 32-ish, somewhere around there. Oh. Um, I just, I finally, you know, I finally caved, went to the, op- the, the, the opticians, got the test, and they were like, you are very, very blind. Um, <laughs> first thing that happened is I got my glasses, and I went into work the day after I got my glasses, and I was working in a call center at the time, and they had these big whiteboards on all of the walls all around the place. And I noticed for the first time all these boards had messages written on them. Um, and I just like turned to the person next to me. I was like, have that, have those messages been there for like the whole five years that I've been working in this room? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and I just wow. realized a bit, it, it's both realizing that I was completely blind, but also knowing that I'd actually kind of known for like 10 years, but you find ways not to know, you know, mm. you're like, oh, I'll, I'll see what the number on the bus is when it's way too late to flag it down, but I'll, I'll find ways around it, you know? Yeah. Um, and then eventually, like, no, I'm I'm completely blind, and also there are aliens, and there's a pandemic. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 really interesting how uh, you know every, we you know the world right now ta- is talking a lot about ignorance, and there's a lot of people who are just like, how does this happen? How do people stay this willfully ignorant? And it's like, well. I mean, you know, Jay would went without glasses for who knows how long, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and it's, and that's, that's sort of like a non-toxic version of ignorance, right? You like, it, it is technically ignorance, but you're mm-hmm. just, you're just sort of like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, this is the way my world looks. I don't know any different. Yeah, so you're not putting yeah. anyone else in harm's way, it's just, it's largely affecting yourself. Right, right. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but, you know, that just goes to show you that like, yeah, no, ig- ignorance is, is not you know, it's just, it's sometimes it's just a thing that you're, you're not even aware that it, that's the whole point of ignorance is you're not aware of it, you know? Um, and I just, I think that's, yeah, that's really, that's really funny. I don't know. Um, and just how, how, how stubborn we can be, which is an, another, right. another, another point this movie makes at the end. Well, not even, not even stubborn. I mean, like some, some people can be stubborn for sure. Uh, and some, some situations are stubborn, uh, in, in regards to ignorance, but I think a lot of times it's really just a thing where, you're just you're 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 ignorant to the level that like you've never even thought of it being any other way and you've adapted to the way that it is right and mm-hmm. so the idea of changing is just it doesn't even it's not even in your purview you know mm-hmm. um and i just think that's I, I it's very interesting ignorance is such a such a uh, uh a, an interesting thing because so many people confuse it with like stupid being stupid mm-hmm. um and that's not what it is at all like I'm I'm ignorant about a lot of things. I don't I I I I'm using a computer right now. If you told me to break down how this thing works, I could never tell you. I have no idea. Oh yeah, um, not, you know, not a clue. Yeah. <laughs> not a clue. Uh, and it's, and- it's really difficult to deal with in fiction ignorance because, um, and and it's self aware. You know, the kind of the, the the other side of it was self awareness of of just figuring your stuff out. It's mm-hmm. it's actually so hard to tell a story that deals with that. That's also just like emotionally simple. Um, mm-hmm. because it's challenging and, you know, people generally don't want to be challenged. Right. Um, and it's, if you try and actually deal with these themes in fiction, whether it's in a comic book or a film or, or a, a book or whatever, um, it's really, really difficult to sell the point. Mm-hmm. I think it's why this movie, uh, is so, you know, um, um, polarizing. poorly received, you know? Yeah. Polarizing, poorly received, you know, it is everyone's least favorite and they say it like, it's a matter of fact, like, Oh, well that one's the worst one, like without a doubt. Um, and it's, 
And it's like, well, no, it just, you need to see it more than once. Um, You know, so many people have seen this movie one time and then just dismissed it out of hand and haven't seen it again. We've had several guests who are watching it, watched it for the second time just to be on the show. And it's on the second viewing. It's like every time they're like, you know, this movie had more layers to it than I thought it was originally. And it's like, yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of a complex movie, uh, but you know, it is challenging and it is maybe not what you're looking for. If you're looking for something similar to Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz, which are not particularly challenging films. No, absolutely uh, as much not, as I, no. as much as I love them. Um, yeah. They're very crowd pleasing, easy to watch. Uh, Com- movies comfort yeah. movies that have comfort movies yeah they become cult classics for 10 years because you can just watch them on comedy central or what have you like in the middle of a saturday and be like oh hell yeah hot fuzz is on and yeah. it's, all, it's yeah. also and this is i meant to jump in like age it feels like a long time ago now when you were uh, talking about how great um peg is in the film mm-hmm. um that like in in those three films it's almost like you can see him this is going to sound patronizing to, to Simon Pegg. And if you're listening, I apologize. I mean it well. Um, that the, like you kind of almost see him kind of coming online as an actor rather than a comedian. Sure. Because sure. in you know, in Shaun of the the Dead, he's basically he's really kind of playing the same guy he played in space to an extent, mm-hmm. which is the sort of a very similar guy he'd played in a bunch of things. Um, and he can do it very well. And then, you know, uh Hot Fuzz, he's actually He's playing a different person, and, and it, he was pushing himself, but he's doing kind of action hero thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, but then in this film, it's like this guy's going for it. Yeah, you know, he's really yeah. putting in a performance. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we've been we've been discussing about how how these films are structured as a as a trilogy, and um, I think it's you know one of the things that we've talked about is the uh the uh, uh thesis antithesis synthesis structure of the of the trilogy um and uh and specifically you can look at Simon Pegg's characters in each one and yeah it's like he's a he is he is just playing basically himself a version of himself in Shaun of the Dead then in the next film he's playing a two-dimensional character right a a sort of caricature of an action hero type yeah. um type a personality and then you get to this one and he's playing a fully like a full three-dimensional character with like layers and all of these things and it's it's really crazy to see and it almost seems like it's done on purpose but i do think that i i think they just looked at the previous two films and then just said to themselves well what do we want to accomplish with this one what what do we need to do that's to to differentiate it but also make it feel like a conclusion a thematic conclusion and uh and i think that that goes across the board with just you know the story the types of characters they're playing the type of story that they're telling um and and i think they just they really nailed it because you know Shaun of the dead is just it's a it's a it's a romantic comedy about a guy who's can't get his life together and and is in, in a zombie apocalypse and then you get to this next thing and then there's there's the surface level stuff and then there's just beneath the surface level stuff with the town and um and and the police force and everything and then here you have three layers um with with everything and it's it's uh it's really interesting the way that these are structured and um i i can't think of another trilogy that is even remotely close to what these films are doing and where they're working at no, absolutely. I mean, let's face it. Most most trilogies shouldn't be trilogies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's re- I'm really hard pressed to think of one other than other than this one at the moment 
the, I don't know if there's one actually any trilogy where I think they're consistently good all the way through. Well, there's so many, there's so many plot trilogies mm-hmm. where, you know, there's like, okay, there's like the first one that's a big hit. And then there's the one where we're like, you know, I watched Empire Strikes Back as a kid. And then there's like the third one where all of the plot threads mash together like a train set. And then right. you have a teaser at the end for the, I mean, it's almost like a, a recipe at this point. But mm-hmm. a thematic trilogy is something that, to me, can be so much richer because they can go off in different directions. And the, the mm-hmm. commonalities that you find, they tend to be more meaningful because they aren't just like, oh, I have this big epic story that takes three whole movies to tell. It's – I don't know. The, when, when taken in the context of a trilogy, Sean and Hot Fuzz and World's End, they almost feel more like a, like a prolonged conversation about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, th- and this one I think um- – of the three, and I mean, this is the best of the three, let's be honest. But of, <laughs> of the three, this is also the one when I think they they were, you know, the, the, the first two, the, the kind of, it almost feels like they're writing genre first. So Shaun of the Dead is, hey, let's do a romantic, co- as you said, romantic comedy in the zombie apocalypse, and we'll kind of figure out the characters from there. And then Hot Fuzz is, you know, we kind of play want to play around with action movies and the cop thing and a little bit of, High Plains Drifter and all of these things, and we'll figure out the characters from there. Whereas this one, they've clearly started with the theme and the character and built outwards. So this mm-hmm. is the one when they're going, right, who is this Gary King fella? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we'll figure out the story from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, a last thing I want to mention in this particular minute uh, as, a, as, a, as a beat is just um uh pierce brosnan's amazing performance of pretty cool a eh, gang, um, <laughs> gang is one of my favorite things and it's it's hard what ever since i learned that bit of trivia about his beard i i i just it's all i focus on whenever he's on screen <laughs> um but uh uh it's it's still man he's he's giving like a great like an all-timer teacher performance i think in this movie um, it just, if he reminds me of so many teachers I've had and I've never had a, an, an English teacher. I've only ever, well, I've had English teachers, but never, never a British uh, teacher. And, uh, and, and yet he still, uh, reminds me of, of many teachers that I've had, uh, uh including the sort of, uh, you know, tough love stance that he takes. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I and definitely have opinions time. on him as the teacher, but I'll, I'll hold them off till the fight scene. Okay. <laughs> um so so jay uh tell us about mara chase because i know the new book coming out is the second book uh in this series so tell tell us about the character tell us about the series because um i i would venture a guess that we uh we wouldn't be selling the second book to our audience but maybe maybe the first and maybe the character um i mean firstly you can read them um if you want to read them out of order you can because they're they're kind of standalone-ish um like the second, the stuff, there's obviously stuff happens. And I was going to say the really obvious stuff happens in the first book. Um, <laughs> there's obviously stuff that happens in the first book that gets referenced in the second book, but it doesn't matter. Um, it's basically, she's, uh, my favorite film is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've always wanted to write Indiana Jones. And then I, I grew up and just started thinking, okay, but um, it, firstly, Indiana Jones is a criminal. Um, he's going around <laughs> stealing things. Also, his whole trade is immoral. Um mm-hmm you know, for colonialism and all of, you know, a lot of things we talked about today. Um, so then I, then I was like, okay, how, how can I still have fun with that genre? So um, Chase is, she's, um, she's kind of an Indiana Jones in the modern day figure. Um, 
but she's gay uh, and she's just angry uh, and she's she knows she's a criminal. She knows what she's doing is wrong. And the first book kind of follows her um, almost at the point when she wants to get her old life back and get back into academia because she fell out of it to do with this illegal trade. Um, and, and the first one kind of has them searching for the lost tomb of Alexander the Great, which was a whole fun thing to research and then completely ignore. <laughs> um, it, history fans get very upset with me because they go, oh, I'll love to read that because I like Alexander the Great. And then they read the book and go, you butchered history. And you think that's the point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was never going to be true. Uh, and then the second one, she's now, it's like a couple of years later, and she's she actually got some of the things she wanted um, you know, she got part of her old life back. She got a chance to um, be legit again if she wanted, but she kind of found that she couldn't give it up, um, that maybe maybe this dark, dirty trade is who she really is. Uh, so for the second book, she's hired to go after the Fountain of Youth, um, which might turn out to not actually be the Fountain of Youth. <laughs> she finds something else that isn't the Fountain of Youth that I want to put in the title, but it's it's it like it's revealed three quarters of the way through the book, so ah. I as like structurally I shot myself in the foot there because it would be a very different book if I could use the honest title. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so she goes after the Fountain of Youth in the second book um, and finds something completely different. Oh, and Nazis. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, oh, she I like punches oh, Nazis. But- <laughs> All right, nice. Um, uh, nothing, nothing. I love more than punching Nazis uh, and watching things or playing things about punching Nazis. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's great. Uh, and uh, and people can uh, get these off of uh, Amazon. I also assume that there's um, are, are there a uh, like a like an Audible component to this as well? Yes, the first book is already out. You can get it on Audible. I'm I'm a big big advocate for audiobooks because I'm dyslexic, so that's you know, part of how I got into novels was listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, the first book is on Audible right now. Uh, the second book is due, but with the with the pandemic, a lot of publishing is up in the air. So I don't I don't think it's coming out on the same date as the book, uh, okay. which comes out next week. Um, but it, it will be out on Audible as soon as it can be done. Okay, fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, and of course, uh, you'll be joining us again for tomorrow's minute. Um, but uh, in the meantime, the Cornetto Minute Listeners Pub on Facebook is our uh, our Facebook group where uh, you can talk about, um, you know, whatever we discussed here. We discussed a lot of things here. So uh, hopefully we'll hear from some of you over there. Uh, but if you're not on Facebook, don't join Facebook on our account, please. Um, <laughs> just stay away. <laughs> stay away from Facebook uh, as long saying, as possible. If you made the same mistake that we did 10 years ago, <laughs> yeah, this is a fun thing you can do. Right. Um, we, we're, it's too late for us. We can't escape, but uh, you can. And uh, please don't join Facebook on our account. But if you're there, uh, the Cornetto Minute Listeners Pub on Facebook. And we will be back tomorrow with uh, Minute 67. But for now, let's boo-boo.